How we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, But until we make it to that glorious day, uh, I am your host, Josh, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Um, If you don't already hear the noise in the background, I do apologize. I am recording while driving. Um, So if that's going to bother you, you know, just a heads up. Um, But today I wanted to hop on to talk about um, a few things, really. Um, So first and foremost, I think that it's really important that we are paying attention to all the different ways in which the U.S. empire is trying to spark conflict, um, trying to enact some sort of violent uprising, whether it be in Somalia, in Afghanistan, in, um, oh, geez, can't think of the name, Cuba, (laughs) I couldn't think of Cuba's, Jesus Christ, that's how you know it's been a good morning so far, um, Yeah, so you have these multiple countries, which right now the U.S., you know, media regime is putting a huge eye on, um, and coming out of my, oh, and Haiti, too. Haiti's a really important one to be paying attention to, um, and Colombia. See, there's a lot of them. Um, what we seem to be having is attempts at creating unstable situations which allow for the U.S. and other Western powers to go to the U.N. and say, or not even go to the U.N., just do it on their own accord. We're going to go over to, you know, this and that country because obviously these people uh, want us there so bad um, because you can tell how well we've done. Our track record, you know, stands with us. We've done a great job helping absolutely every country that we have illegally and militarily occupied. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go over there with our military, not with any kind of aid. No, 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 no. With our military, um, and military contractors and economists and folks such as that. Uh, and we're going to go over there and help them. And the UN's going to be like, sir, yes, sir. I take all my orders from you anyways. Um, <laughs> that you know, is happening right now in multiple different countries. And if you look at, you know, all of the U.S.'s history, this is how we stay in power. We are a war machine. We are imperialists to our core. And as the empire is beginning to fall, as the contradictions within our societies are becoming more and more uh, easily noticed by people who, you know, prior to this had no political, social, or economic goals of change, maybe. Um, And as the, you know, empire slowly but surely screams into its death, this looks like a lot of attempts to start something. Another thing I want to talk about briefly is uh, kind of Marxism. (laughs) I always hit random 
points of just conversation about Marxism, but I think it's important to sprinkle into every little bit of conversation that you can, because I find it to be really useful, so, you know, whenever I get to a point where I can properly explain some of the shit I've learned, because it does take me a while, I am... The reason why I started this podcast is because I wanted to be able to put my ideas out there and be wrong sometimes, because that's how we learn. Um, I'm not a genius. Anything that I'm talking about, I've spent probably double or triple the amount of time it would have taken anyone else to understand it, because I don't learn well. Well, I mean, I, I can, and I can memorize, like, facts, but, like, when it comes to, like, dialectical materialism and things of that nature, it, it's more than just simply, like, facts that I can spew out. It's a need for an explanation and a clear and concise one, not a bunch of just rambling. So that's mostly why I kind of just sprinkle in little bits is because finally understand it enough to explain it. But... Yeah, and then the last thing I just kind of want to finish on is, like, I saw a tweet, or it was either a tweet or a Facebook post from Black Red Guard, and he said that there is no movement in the United States. Um, I think he said there are cliques, or there are... Oh, jeez, let me look it up real quick. Um, I think I even fucking shared it. Oh, yes. There is no movement. There's scenes. There's an anarchist scene, a DSA scene, a Radlib scene, a Maoist scene, a Trot scene, and that's a problem. <clears throat> and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit in brief and kind of just give my ideas on that, but... I think I'd be doing the world uh, kind of struggle a disservice by having this show and not speaking on what's going on across the world. Um, as I said, you know, the way that I see what's happening all across the world with the drone strikes in Somalia, the attempt at fanning the flames of, <clears throat> you know, different demonstrations happening in Cuba, in um, an attempt to put down mass protests and mass movements in Colombia in an attempt to reinstate fascism in the Philippines. Uh, And with everything that constantly is going on in regions like Syria, Afghanistan, Palestine, I hope y'all haven't forgotten about Palestine, um, All of these places are enduring incredible struggles. Um, I mean, I I don't think we as uh, so-called Americans, Yankees, um, can be real... We can't really understand these struggles in a lot of senses unless we are so incredibly, you know... uh, unlucky in the situation we find ourselves and and do have to suffer these ways. I'm not comparing pain or struggle, but, you know, the situation in Palestine is a constant threat of death. 
whether it's by gun, starvation, um, medical needs that aren't met, uh, all kinds of things. What's happening in Afghanistan is an example of what will soon probably be happening in places like Somalia, um, which is the United States goes in, says it's going to stabilize the region, which it itself destabilized. It props up different puppet regimes. It uh, feeds into populist uh, politics. It reignites contradictions between, for example, religious groups, ethnic groups, uh, nationalities, and causes, you know, animosity, which fuels its uh, rhetoric and its story of destabilization. And then 20 years later, 20 years later, we supposedly pull out, because you should know, it was only official military personnel that have left or are beginning to leave Afghanistan, private contractors, economists, and different political and, you know, economic figures are still there, as they probably always will be. In this situation, you got 20 years that the United States was in Afghanistan, actively, supposedly, trying to stabilize the region. And what do they do? They up and leave. And then immediately, one of the groups, which they were trying to, you know, get into peace talks, get into discussion, supposedly, in order to destabilize the region, the Taliban. Um, Jesus. The ta- I don't like saying Taliban because then I sound really white. But when I try to say Taliban, I sound even whiter. So whichever one sounds better, you tell me. <laughs> Um, but they moved in almost immediately and started taking over huge areas, huge. And, you know, I don't know enough about the region, but what I do know is there is no kind of honest faith by any of the voices that I trust coming out of that region that seem like negotiations, peace talks, or any kind of destabilization is in the works. Um, It just seems like these groups had 20 years to be angry and 20 years to have to be dealing with the United States and 20 years of the United States, you know, poking the bear and causing more problems. Now we see us going into this situation where the working and, you know, the toiling masses of Afghanistan have to suffer, you know, whether we want to take a side or not, I don't care, again, I don't know enough, y'all can send me links, but the most important part is that for the general masses of people there, there is no safety, there is no stability, there is no, you know, dignity in the eyes of the West, to the point that the West sends its militaries, does not allow these countries to self-determine does not allow these countries to deal with their own internal affairs. That is an undignified life, and that cannot be allowed. Another example of this, of course, many people have been talking about, and me and Victor did an episode about, that's Victor from Nuestra America um, and Sons of Fidel. You should check that out. This is my last episode. We actually did two together, 
Um, but the last one was about Cuba. Um, so what's happening in Cuba, apparently, to a lot of people, is complicated. But let me break it down for you. So Cuba itself has been a colony to some extent for over 500 years. The earliest known that I'm aware of, uh, beginning stages of colonialism were in the 1400s in Cuba. And so this country has been under some form of military occupation and oppressive suppression um, for at least 500 years. In 1801, I believe, 1801, there was a revolutionary war between the Cuban bourgeoisie and the ruling classes of the invading colonial powers, Spain, Portugal, other places. After it seemed like this war was going in favor of the Cuban people themselves, don't you know the United States steps in and makes it the Spanish-American War? Now, America had absolutely nothing to do with this struggle. There was absolutely no reason whatsoever between the cause of the Revolutionary War between the two groups involved in those those battles, there was absolutely no place where the United States played a part. Except in an attempt to acquire a new colony. At this point in time, the early 1800s, this was the real rise of the United States empire as a colonial and imperialist power. Um... Uh, Cuba is one of our, you know, first first ones where we really went in and just fucking trashed the place. Because from 1803 until the end of the Cuban Revolutionary War, or excuse me, at the end of the Cuban Revolution, uh, mix my words up. From 1803 until 1959, Cuba is essentially America's whorehouse. Uh, Now, that's not to say anything bad about the Cuban people, but that is to say that when America intentionally underdevelops a place, it is for cheap labor, it is for cheap uh, goods and resources. In Cuba's specific sense... It was for casinos, it was for prostitution, it was for drugs, and it was for arms. Um, You know, the mobsters loved Cuba for these reasons, and so did American businessmen, one and the same, because they are one and the same. Um, And so they came down to Cuba and made it their whorehouse, and their sugar plantation. Um... And eventually the Cubans said, fuck this, you know, um, you guys have been oppressing us for 150 years. You have made us into a monoculture and sugarcane, which destroys the soil, destroys the greenery, completely invades an ecosystem and makes it almost impossible to grow anything. 
other than sugarcane. Um, which is not, you know, a self-sustaining crop. When you're a monoculture and you only produce sugar, you can't support yourself, you know? They did that, you know, they were still, the United States was still coming down and doing awful, awful shit to the Cuban people, exploiting the fuck out of them. Uh, And in a lot of cases, you know, massacring them. And the Cuban bourgeoisie did a really great job of tag-teaming with the Americans. I mean, Fulgencio Batista, I mean, this is the guy. This is the guy uh, who really played a massive role in sparking what would become, you know, multiple events that led to the official, quote-unquote, Cuban Revolution. Real quick side note. We need to start viewing history as a continuation. If some, if somebody tells you the Cuban Revolution started at this date, they don't understand how history works. The Cuban Revolution started in the 1400s when the Spanish, the Dutch, and the Portuguese colonized Cuba and made her people slaves. That's when the Cuban Revolution started. Now, it might have taken a long while, there might have been multiple revolutions in the meantime, but the point I'm trying to make is all of this builds on each other. And eventually, the contradictions get to a point, the rich are so rich, the poor are so poor, the poor are so hungry and violently oppressed, and the rich are so full, have more than they could ever need, and they never suffer a day in their lives. These contradictions eventually build until they hit a point of complete antagonism. And at that point, one of them, the primary contradiction, or excuse me, the principal contradiction, needs to win out. Needs to take the dominant stand and eliminate the other uh, contradiction, which is creating a reality which cannot support both. What's happening all across the world in a lot of places should be showing us that it doesn't matter if it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if it's America, Canada, the UK, France, Belgium, Germany... It does not matter. All of these countries are a part of one camp. And that is the capitalist and imperialist camp. The rest of the world, what we might know as the quote-unquote third world or the quote-unquote underdeveloped nations, these are a part of your non-aligned, national liberation, socialist camp. Um, In a lot of cases, the hope for a dominant, powerful, and equal force within the socialist camp um, has vacillated, has come and gone. You know, there were points in which we had true support from the socialist camps when the USSR and the uh, 
Chinese communists had true power and hegemony within their own nations and were able to aid, for example, in Africa and in Latin America in national liberation struggles. If um, the Soviet Union hadn't uh, promised to buy the sugar crops of Cuba for the first few years of its revolution, it would have been able to, it would not have been able to fund any of its uh, socialist goals, it would not have been able to see the revolution through. Now, definitely, should the USSR have been continuously supporting a monoculture after a few years? I don't think so. Um, I think that was tried to be worked away from. But, you know, these are all things which we are on a timeline. We are on a path, a progression. Uh, Time is not linear, but it is also not stagnant. Uh, It is continuously pushing forward. It might go forward and up. It might go forward and down. It might go forward and straight, but it's, it's moving forward. Um, and because of this, there are times in which, you know, for example, the, you know, Soviet Union and the communist, uh, China, I I don't know why I'm like having such a hard time right now. I feel like my brain is on whatever. Um, there are points in time during both of these movements during both of these revolutions and revolutionary struggles where opportunist camps come to the forefront and really take power. There are times in which um, revisionists will take power and play quote-unquote centrist, which is, you know, ultimately choosing a side. Because if there is oppression, there are the oppressors and the oppressed. And if you stand somewhere in the middle, ultimately you are standing with the oppressor. Because unless you are standing in his way, he is still able to oppress. So, because of this, we have to begin understanding that Marxism as a tool, not as some dogmatic belief system or religion, not as some, you know, half-hearted idea, but as an ideological and practical tool within our toolkit for revolution, Marxism, excuse me, dry throat, Marxism is something that we really, really, really need to investigate. Now, I know a lot of us have our preconceived notions about Marxism. Um, I know a lot of us feel that this is a theory of old dead white guys. Um, I hate to break it to you. Uh, So is anarchism. Um, And in the same way that anarchism has folks like Emma Goldman... Um, also has folks like the Zapatistas, also has folks in Africa, um, so do, so does Marxism. Um, if you think Marxism is a bunch of theories by old dead white guys, wow, you are a chauvinist. You should look all throughout Latin America, you should look all throughout Asia, 
you should look all throughout Africa. These countries have fantastic Marxist theoreticians, fantastic socialist revolutions which use Marxism or Marxism-Leninism as a guiding tool um, and as, you know, principles for building towards socialism. Something that the Chinese Revolution, as well as the Soviet Revolution, have taught us is that there are two ways to progress forward in a world where the contradictions between the ownership of production and the practice of production. So we all work and we work together and you and I are the ones who work in the stores. You and I are the ones who work in the factories. You and I are the ones who make the clothes. You and I are the ones who fill the packages. You and I are the ones who drive for Uber and Lyft, which, side note, go check out the uh, Rideshare United um, strike that just happened on Tuesday, I believe, and go look at, you know, the struggle against Prop 22 that these people are fighting. Um, But if we look at this, we recognize that we have a socialized uh, production process. Uh, The owners of the capital, the owners of the store, the owners of the raw materials, the factories, the production equipment, they, however, do not work in these places. They do not labor in order to create these goods. But somehow or another, without laboring, they get to own these things which you and I have created, which you and I work and sell, which you and I do not own. The contradiction between that is the main contradiction within capitalism. On top of that, in a world where the contradiction between capitalism and socialism are yet again coming to the fore, there are two ways out of this. There is the capitalist road and there is the socialist road. Now, you might want to say, well, there's multiple roads. No, because... When you look at something like building a socialist movement, when you look at something like trying to struggle for revolutionary changes, there is a goal at the end of the road that you will get to, whether it's your intention to get there or not. If you do not take the proper time to learn, uh, to educate yourself on how to do proper analysis of material conditions... Uh, if you don't know how to get practically involved in struggles of, you know, mass movements and learn how to guide from within, be a part of that movement, but to ultimately, you know, kind of push it towards its more favorable conclusion of socialism, you have to know what you're doing. And that takes time. That takes failures, that takes lessons learned, and it takes recognizing that we are on 
a, a, a roller coaster of sorts. But every roller coaster comes to an end. And after you get off that roller coaster, you can't ever be the same. And, and, you know, when we are looking at the roller coaster that is capitalism, it's going to fall down right behind you. And, you know, we might be on it when it comes down. So the need to understand that it is not one straight line, it is not one linear process that I'm going to make these decisions and we're just going to start going towards socialism and it's just going to work like that. I'm not going to make any mistakes. We're not going to, you know, have opportunists. We're not going to have revisionism. We're not going to lead towards failures in some cases. You're an idealist and you don't understand the way that the world actually works. And this is, again, why Marxism is a useful tool because when Marxism was being used truly in the Soviet Union and China... It was being used as a tool not to condemn Marxism or say, you know, we have failed, time to pack it up and let's go. But it was a tool being used to say, okay, we have made it to this point and somehow or another we have misstepped. Let us go back and analyze the process that we are, you know, committed to. Let us look at the decisions we've made. Let us try to learn from our failures. That is built right into Marxism, that self-critique. And if Marxism proper is actually being used, not just someone who calls themselves a Marxist, but is very obviously not, but if true Marxism is being used, it is able to find and, you know, correct these fallacies, these mistakes, these revised attempts at Marxism and you know, this opportunism. But when we see Marxism as a caricature, when we see Marxism as a dogma, when we see Marxism as a counter-cultural, you know, kind of fad, we, you know, in the end, we fuck ourselves. Because like I said, we are, we are, there are two paths you can be on. You got the capitalist road and the socialist road. Whether you mean to or not, if you are not actively using Marxism to build towards socialism, to create a reality so that when the contradictions are heightened, you have an already existing organized idea or group, you know, hopefully an organization of people themselves, not just hegemonic ideas, but people who are down and ready to put those ideas into practice, that has to be central. And once you get to that point and you start practicing, you start putting Marxism into practice and start trying to change the reality, you have to hope that once you push things forward and you get to a point of contradiction, such as the October Revolution, You don't want to fail like the February revolution. You want to push it all the way through. You want to break past, you know, any kind of compromises. You want to work through any kind of half steps or uh, opportunist lines. You want to punch through that stuff all the way to its logical conclusion which is the creation of the dictatorship of the proletariat. It is 
a creation of a socialist economy based off of collectivization, based off of equal um, uh, participation and equal, um, or I should say, equitable um, uh, 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 consumption and, and, you know, receiving of goods and services from our communities. Uh, that That is ultimately what we want to be building towards. If we aren't building that, then we are building towards capitalism. There's a lot of good ideas out there that seem great from, you know, the jump when we're just talking about them in our head. But when you put a council of just a bunch of people in power under a capitalist system and they call themselves socialist, unless they're building things, struggling, um, organizing the masses, educating the masses, breaking down the capitalist hegemony and working towards uh, defeating you know, any kind of power or control that the capitalist road has, they are ultimately still building towards capitalism. Unless we are breaking down and eliminating the contradictions and problems that exist within the capitalist system, we are working towards more capitalism. Um, you can't have capitalism and socialism at the same time. These are one of those contradictory things which cannot exist at the same time, wherein one of them is going to win out. I believe that Marxism, specifically Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, uh, is a tool that has to be used in order to not make our way onto the capitalist road. Now, a lot of people might say, well, hey, people before you said the same thing and then they failed and didn't build socialism. What about that? Hey, there are no gods. There are no angels. There are no saints. People are influenced by different things. Monetary uh, um, compensation, individualism, sex, drugs. People are influenced by a bunch of things, wanting to side with the imperialist powers who you know are inevitably going to come into your country and start killing people and you don't want to stand up next to those people and fight those imperialist powers, well, that's quite influential and might make you start becoming an opportunist or a revisionist and ultimately building towards capitalism. The true socialists are the ones who stand for socialism, who stand for Marxism in its truest form and will fight even when it seems impossible, even when they are told that this is ultimately, um, oh, what's the word they like to use? Um, when they, it's basically the word that makes them, uh, say that they don't want to like build towards it. It's like a Trotskyist thing because Trotsky's theory of permanent revolution was, you know, proven to be useless in the sense that he was thinking that the only way to build towards true socialism was going to be when the Western and capitalist countries began building socialism. Otherwise, the nations couldn't do it themselves. Um, but, you know, even when that is the case, where people have their doubts, where people tell us that Marxism is wrong, we have to use Marxism to get to the concrete and concise uh, kind of resolutions that we need 
in order to build properly for a socialist world. Um, the theory of dual power is expansive, and I think that at times before I've misrepresented it. But under a capitalist system, what dual power is, is an attempt to try to create a reality that shows people the difference between a capitalist and a socialist world, that gives people a reality, not just ideas, but a reality that they cannot deny, that is better for them than the capitalist road. We have to start building these things. We have to start building towards socialism. That looks like a lot of different things. Now, if you look at examples like the Paris Commune, the you know Russian Revolution, the Chinese Revolution, the Vietnamese Revolution, the Korean Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, what do you see at all of these places? You see the broad masses partaking in the revolution, partaking in the struggle, and feeling supported enough to do so by the revolution. We have to keep educating people about the revolution. We have to keep organizing people and influencing them to want to build towards the revolution. People need to understand socialism. People need to understand communism. People need to understand capitalism. Go read or listen to or try to figure out what Marx was saying in Das Kapital because each one of these systems has built-in laws or principles or foundations that make it so that it only operates truly within a given field. Capitalism is a constant growth, a constant need for expansion, a for-profit-only private property ownership system, if that makes sense. That is the way in which capitalism works. Capitalism cannot be made socialist. There is no such thing as democratic socialism. That's just capitalism um, with health benefits. Um, There is no socialism with, you know, capitalist um, foundations. There are socialist societies which, like Cuba... Um, like the Soviet Union, like China, have been forced to have to participate in the world capitalist market that have to set up some kind of base usually within their country to build towards that as long as their government structure is socialist, as long as the dictatorship of the proletariat is established, enacted, and continuously in power and in control and kind of working towards building more cadre, uh, building more uh, power among the people, working towards collectivizing these capitalist industries, well, then that's different. But if capitalism takes hold and becomes the sole um, pushing point for existence is just development, is just profits, is just more power then that is capitalism. And capitalism such as that would never, never in a thousand years have any interest in socialism. But it might have a lot of interest in calling itself socialist. This is why Marxism 
is a very, very useful tool. Understanding that complicated or quote-unquote nuanced, um, which that word is stupid, um, understanding the reality that exists, the fluid nature of a, a historical development, understanding dialectical materialism is so key to being able to make critical decisions such as do we support China? Do we critique China? Such as making a decision, should we build towards an armed revolution or should we try to go the electoral route? Um, Trying to say, should we capitulate towards capitalists and allow for conservationism to take hold or should we wholeheartedly take any and all power over the resources and production, distribution, and consumption of material goods away from the capitalists and put it in the people's hand, put it in the dictatorship of the proletariat's hands. That is the difference. And both of those uh, realities are ones that can and do exist based off of decisions made by different countries and different people. Ultimately, those decisions are building towards something. And with approximately 40 years on the clock, building towards capitalism in the slightest cannot, cannot be supported. We have to build revolutionary forces to wholeheartedly and entirely, once and for all, smash the world capitalist market, smash capitalism, smash imperialism, smash colonialism, kill it, burn it, cast it into hell, burn everybody who wants to take part of it, and just absolutely eradicate this exploitative and oppressive system and its lackeys from the earth. That has to happen before any kind of true socialist or communist mission on a world scale can be built. Otherwise, countries like Cuba, like China, like Vietnam, like the Democratic Republic, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, like uh, Nepal, like the Caribbean countries, like the Soviet Union, all of these countries will have to capitulate to capitalism unless we in our own countries build towards eliminating that system together with the revolutionaries of other countries. As Americans, as United States citizens, as Yankees, we have done enough to fuck up the world system. We have done enough to massacre and, you know, just ultimately obliterate human beings from this earth. We have taken their ability to self-determine. We have taken their ability to sustain themselves. We have taken their ability to live dignified, independent, and happy lives. We have taken that from them. Now it is not our time to do that again by criticizing their socialist projects, by trying to dogpile on top of countries like China, like countries like Vietnam, like countries like Cuba. Our job is to fight our own bourgeoisie. Our job is to build socialism within our own countries. Our job is to organize 
educate and ultimately arm and build revolutionary cadre who work towards eliminating that capitalist hegemony and that world global capital system. We have to. The earth is dying because of it. And the people who are daring to stand up still, alone, are being shot dead in the streets. Line 3 just spilled again. They are still building these pipelines. In countries like Colombia, in countries like um, um, Cuba, in countries like all over the world, where there are people saying, no more. We won't let you kill us. We won't let you oppress us. We won't let you tell us how we are going to be able to self-determine and how we are going to sustain life. It is our time to be in power. It is our time to take the means of production into the hands of the dictatorship of the proletariat, the true revolutionary vanguard of the people who works towards building a socialist reality with the hands of the people themselves participating, the voices of the people themselves being heard, and ultimately the people themselves being brought into the folds of the dictatorship of the proletariat, administrating the government themselves, working towards building socialism together. There is no commandism. There is no true in our way of thinking dictatorship wherein a group of people, small group of people is dominating the majority. But instead, it is the majority dominating over the exploitative, oppressive 1% minority. And these people have killed enough through starvation, through thirst, through houselessness, through creating a global world market wherein so few of us can afford the things that we need to survive. They have massacred the earth. They have killed our planet. The one place that we will ever be able to live on, they have killed it. And what do we do? We are unwilling, we are unwilling to think about things like violent revolution, like armed socialist revolution. We are unwilling to think of these things because we cannot stand for their morality. Take your morality out of your head people are dying. The time for white chauvinism, the time for white saviorism, the time for constant bullshit-ass critiques coming out of white leftist mouths and Twitter profiles is not now. Build socialism. Eliminate your national bourgeoisie. Take over from the dictatorship of the few over the many and put the many, the people, the masses, the struggling and toiling people themselves in power of their own destiny, of their own resources, and of their own lives. This is the only way, and we do not have time to sit around and argue about it. If you aren't on the streets, if you aren't educating, if you aren't talking to people, if you aren't learning yourself, if you aren't trying to build socialism actively in practice, I do not give a single fucking shit about your dumb ass opinion. Take Marxism, Marxism, Leninism, Maoism seriously investigate it. Think for yourself. 
have critical analysis outside of the copy and paste opinions that you heard on Twitter or Facebook. Stop being a chump. Stop being a fucking follower. Stop being a fucking loser. Stop being a capitalist rotor. Start building socialism now. If you are still listening to this, I appreciate you very much. Um, I like episodes where I get worked up because then I feel good. Um, but yeah, if you're still listening to this, take, you know, take what I said with a grain of salt, but at least take it and, and think about it for yourself and, and, and allow it to do what it does in your own brain outside of pre-existing, you know, notions or conceptions about things like Marxism and, and violent revolution and socialism. Think for yourself. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening. If you did like this episode, I would appreciate it if you went onto Apple Podcasts and gave me a five-star rating and a comment. Now, the reason why I'm asking for this is because I am a narcissistic asshole, but also because it helps boost uh, my reach and it helps me to be able to be discussing with more amazing people like yourself. Um, so I would very much appreciate that if you don't i get it it's a weird thing for a random person to ask you um and again uh seems narcissistic right but i promise you it's only a little narcissistic and i definitely um will only show a few people those five star ratings (laughs) um but yeah if you don't want to do that if you wouldn't mind instead give me a follow on any of my social medias at twitter tiktok uh, Instagram or Facebook. You can find me in, de- in defense of liberation. Uh, if you want to reach out to me another way, other than like DMing me on there, uh, you can also find me at in defense of liberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces. And you can also find my blog on for liberation. Also no caps or spaces dot Wix site. W I X S I T E.com forward slash website and please let me know what you think about this episode my other stuff my blog my social media my attitude um and my ideas you know i need feedback i need people talking to me i want folks to reach out and tell me i'm a stupid asshole or tell me i have no idea what i'm talking about or tell me that anarchism is the way or democratic socialism is the way or some stupid asshole on twitter saying neo-marxism shut the fuck up these people don't know what they're talking about stop listening to these folks and read and learn this shit for yourself you know don't listen to me either learn for yourself you know be a human being who can formulate their own thoughts if you can Um, That's a thing that a lot of us can't do. So it's a good time to learn how to do it. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Stay revolutionary, stay safe, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you. Bye.